Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everybody, I am not Cora Clancy, it's Dov taking over from Cora Clancy for another week because I think the wee Irish man's got the coronavirus or something, um, he's not he's ill so he says, so he's not able to join us, but um, thankfully for all you lot, you'll be delighted to know that Vito Doria and Kevin Pogorzelski are still here, they've not gone anywhere, um, luckily. Vito, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good Dov, I was away for the weekend but i was still able to keep up to date with the latest Serie A action and once again a few more interesting results popped up this yeah. weekend so happily here to chat about them yeah and and kevin you uh, just managed to get in the door from italy you look very disheveled uh yeah i'm, I'm not too bad i'm feeling a little disheveled yeah but uh, it's all good my end there was all good. There we go. All good. Right then, we'll get we'll get stuck into it. Then uh, we're going to start. We'll start from the south and we'll work our way up. Right, I think that's a good idea. Um, Napoli, who have been rubbish for a wee while, um, they hosted Juventus at the Stadio San Paolo off the back of a Coppa Italia win uh, over Lazio. And I think everybody got into this game expected Juventus to crush Napoli. At least I did, like three, maybe four, nothing, something like that. However, um. It didn't work out like that. Napoli won 2-1. Zielinski scored just after the hour. Insigne scored just before the end. Cristiano Ronaldo got what was a consolation for Juve. But uh, Vito, Napoli totally deserved it. Um, they <laughs> were better than Juventus. Outplayed them. Got the three points. Gattuso's Grintas here. And um, Sarri's rubbish. It's been an incredible turnaround in the last couple of competitive games for Napoli because they bet Lazio in the Coppa Italia midweek and now they produced this result against the reigning Serie A champions. So this should be an incredible confidence booster. And then performance-wise, they looked like they were better organised and had the greater desire to obtain the result. 
Lorenzo Insigne was the ultimate difference maker, though, with his shot uh, playing a part in the opening goal for Piotr Zielinski. And then he scored a fine goal to make it 2-0 before Ronaldo got his consolation prize. Yeah, no, exactly. I think before that, Napoli hadn't won like six games in a row in Serie A at home, which was obviously for Napoli that's unbelievable. And I think that kind of like, that, that's like their worst performance at home. When you you have to go back to when they were first promoted um, from Serie B, and that, that that's how kind of bad they've been um, this season. Kev, what do you think? What do you think was has been the difference in this past week for Napoli because? Gattuso didn't start very well, um, but it seems like the, a week in which everybody expected him to lose two games, they've, they've came up and, and and he's done something miraculous. Yeah, and I, I'll admit, I thought they'd lost when I went to bed on Sunday evening because uh, I'd sort of not rushed back from the from the Rome derby and was, uh, let's so I say, a, a little under the uh, influence of alcohol. And uh, I had a little alert pop up on the phone and it was telling me that the last goal had gone. It was Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think all it registered with me was the seeing the 2-1 that Napoli had lost because they'd been so bad in the last few weeks. Um, they were a little uh, fortuitous midweek with uh, getting an early goal against Lazio and Lazio kind of falling apart, if anything. But they also did put a good performance in. And uh, and yeah, a lot t- at times they were overrunning Juve on uh, on Sunday night and deserved it. I don't I don't really know where it's come from because it's tagged onto the back of the Lazio game. You maybe would have looked at the narrative around Higuain coming back, Sarri coming back, not just the fans being disappointed with uh, where they've gone after leaving them, um, and maybe the the players have sort of bought into that and sort of ground it out. Maybe that's what uh, Gattuso got on rolled up with at the start of the game. Well, the thing is, if you, Juventus didn't have their first shot on target until the 63rd minute. Now, this is the team that every, that we all kind of say about Juve are the, the best team in this league. They're so far ahead of everybody, blah, blah, blah. And we know how good Juve are. For an Napoli team that's been struggling to kind of nullify Juve for over an hour, Vito, is, is, is amazing from an Napoli point of view and really bad from Juve's point of view. Oh, it's... Quite staggering to think that it took 63 minutes for Juventus to get a shot on target because of the recent dominance of the league, as well as the last couple of months that Napoli have had to endure. Uh, If we look at it tactically, Gattuso's put the team back in its uh, natural formation or formation that suits them the best, the 4-3-3, which was implemented by Sarri during his time there. And... uh, the new midfielder that Napoli bought from RB Leipzig, uh, Diego Deme, he's been getting a lot of plaudits for his play. And based from the couple of games I saw of him at Leipzig, he's the kind of guy that can sit in front of the defence and he'll be in the middle of that uh, midfield trio and he'll win the ball back, keep it simple with his distribution. And he seems to be that missing linking that uh, Napoli midfield because Allen, who did not feature in this game, offers different attributes. He's become more of a box-to-box player. So I suppose a player like him has been a handy acquisition so far. Yeah, well, Allen probably won't be there for much longer. So um, probably a good job. I've got Demian to to kind of take his place somewhat. Um, Kev, go, going back to you, go to Juve then. Um, 
after the game, Sari was asked what he thought about Napoli winning, and he, he basically said that he, he was happy for the lads because he'd coached a lot of them, and he still has a a, a fondness for Napoli because he was there um, for a couple of years, and that didn't go down too well with the Juve fans. No, I imagine it didn't. Um, I wouldn't expect either side in that situation to want to be hearing uh, Sari come out and almost praise. Uh, the players there um, you know football by its nature is very tribal and we've seen in the past that there's been some uh, uh, <laughs> anger between the two sets of sides uh, derogatory I, I can see you smirking as I'm trying to put that as politely as I can but <laughs> so anger it goes a bit further on that they're, they're, yeah they're you know, we know the two don't get on you know, it could be it could be one side blowing it out of proportion. Um, I'm sure he was well-meaning, but it may be it may be moves towards this. Uh, the people that were unhappy with the Sari uh, appointment that maybe he didn't have the uh, prestige to take over at Juve. You know, maybe a more experienced manager, even um, not that he hasn't got years behind him, would have just um, gave a political answer to get to get around it. Well, the one thing I like, I like about Sarri, because obviously I go and I see, uh, Juventus are probably the team I see the most, actually. Um, and he, Sarri's funny. Sarri, he, he's not, kinda, he doesn't really do, he does some of his kind of media-trained answers, but on the, on the other occasion, you just get something where you, you maybe don't expect him to answer the way he does. And I, for me, I kind of like it, because it gives you something that's more interesting to write about or read about when, if he says he's happy, well, he spent, what is it, three seasons there, so... Uh, he's, he's going to be happy for some of the players that he coached. I can I can kind of understand them, and I just uh, for me, I think some of the fans have started. Got, I think they were called him naive and um, basically saying, well, essentially, what is he thinking about talking about Napoli in this way? And I'm just like, well, like you guys need to relax. Um, I'm sure Conte, for example, at Inter would talk about Juventus in a positive way, and even though he's coach of Inter, it doesn't make him a, a bad man. So yeah, 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 you're right. It is refreshing, and but maybe. The outrage from the Juve side uh, gives an indication to how how close they're being run this uh, this season by by two sides now that Lazio are, are very much in the race. Mm-hmm. And Vito, anything about Juve? I mean, did, did like what did you think of their performance? Because like we kind of mentioned, they weren't very good. Um, no, they they weren't at the best. Um, there's a thing I don't know what it is, but Dybala seems to get taken off probably too soon sometimes. I guess that Sari has this faith in Higuain because of their relationship at Napoli. And then, of course, you have Crist- Cristiano Ronaldo, who does not take in too well to being substituted. So, as well as Dybala has been playing for Juventus under Sari, uh, whenever there has to be a change up front, for some reason, Dybala is the unlucky guy. And Higuain probably did not have his best game despite having two chances to score. His efforts, especially that um, bicycle kick at the end, which Merritt saved pretty easily, didn't have much power in it. So, yeah, it's a matter of you've got to take your chances when you get them, even if you're playing poorly. Well, they, did, they didn't get any chances, Vito. That was the problem. They didn't get any. Um, I think with the bat, well, for me, the baller coming off, that was just Sarri trying to change the, uh, the, the 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 kind of formation and the setup up front because he brought on Bernardeschi and Douglas Costa, obviously going for a bit more width, I think, and it didn't really make that much difference. Although well, saying that, for me, Dybala has been probably Juve's best player this season. So I think you're maybe right, he does get taken off a bit too soon. 
Um, do, do you think this will have any long-term repercussions for Juve, Vito? Do you think uh, they're sick, only their second defeat of the season in all competitions, to be fair? So I don't, th- I don't think it's much to worry about, but do you? At this stage, I'm not completely sold that it will result in something worse or a form slump as such. But in a way, I'm more or less using the Champions League as a bit of a barometer. They have a rather easy game on paper against Leon coming up, but depending on who they draw in the quarterfinals, assuming they do progress, um, depending on who's fit and also who's in form, uh, that might be the real difference maker then in those Champions League ties. Whereas the league, you have Inter that have had the recent slips. Lazio have been fantastic, but as I've said numerous times on the pod this season, if one or two of the key players suffer any serious injuries, I think that would be detrimental to any chances they have of winning a third Scudetto in their history. So um, I think at this stage, it's probably better to be a bit on the cautious side or pessimistic side and just so that Juve will still find a way to get these results regardless of who's fit in their team or who's um, in form. Right, cool. There we go. Um, Right, move on. There was a big game a bit further up Italy um, in the capital, the Derby della Capitale, the Rome Derby, Roma v Lazio. It was 1-1 and (laughs) Erin Dzeko and Acerbi scored, but it was really Stracosha and Paolo Lopez who screwed everything up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who who was there, by the way, everybody? Kev was there. He I was, was there yeah. At the stadium. I was in the curve of sud, and uh, I think we were all expecting a different game than what we got because I can't. I think we, the, the people around me, I think sort of looked a little apprehensive and were expecting to be kind of uh, up against it for the Lazio attack, but they really dominated. I know Lazio have got a lot of goals uh, late on just recently, um, but Roma looked the side that were probably pushing for the title. Um, and and then you were just gobsmacked as the goal sort of looped up. It hit the base of the post. And I don't think anybody around me knew whether to celebrate even when Jekko had wheeled away because we couldn't quite believe it had gone in. The mistake was just so awful. There were a number of people checking their phones when the uh, corner got fired over and then the ball cannoned up into the air and... I think a few of us had sort of cast our heads elsewhere when we heard roars going up from bit, other bits of the stadium. It was, it was a surreal, uh, a surreal feeling at times. What obviously was that the first time you were at the Derby, the Rome Derby? Uh, no, I was there two years ago, but um, not in either end. And it was an equally well, actually, it was an even worse. It was an even worse game, but more, more even. But it was nil nil when there was just. Uh, Nerves, if you like, about three weeks before the end of the season, they were both uh, challenging for fourth place, which I think that no Roma um, took. Mm. And like, what about the, the atmosphere? Obviously, some people, maybe new listeners, and may not have heard about that story. I'm sure you would have told it then. Um, the atmosphere around Rome and kind of what was it like? Because obviously, you've been to a few derbies in your time. Yeah, and, and and compared to the last Rome derby, which was um, a little bit subdued until the Lazio fans came sort of walking through the uh, north area of the uh, Stadio Olimpico. Um, this time around um, at the southern part, where there was a couple of bars that uh, our friend Alastair McKenzie um, took me to and joined me. He won't uh, he won't like me for saying that um, before he went uh, in to cover the game. And 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 again, it was I, I kind of expected 
everybody to be a little bit apprehensive about playing Lazio, who are on a, a 12-game winning streak before, um, obviously, they lost in the in the Coppa Italia. But but they all seemed absolutely up for it, uh, you know, drinking, singing, enjoying the, the, the football that was going on beforehand as well. And, um, yeah, it wasn't as, um, as aggressive. No, no as, stabbing, uh, no, no stabbing. No stabbing. Um, no aggressive behaviour towards other fans, not that there were many mixing. Um, but yeah, certainly if you're a if you're somebody looking to go to the game, I would certainly recommend it if you can get a ticket early and get it at a good price because it's nowhere near as bad as what um, media outside of Italy would, would uh, like neutrals to think the um, the trouble that the game gets. Um, right, just a few statistics before we, we go somewhere else well we can't go somewhere else like that was Lazio Lazio undefeated in 15 Serie A games in a row and the first time they've done that was in two well the first time since 2007 that they've done that and they've managed to get 13 points from losing positions as well this season which is more than any other team so I think that kind of gives a bit of a, a hint or a, a kind of look into the, the the mentality of this Lazio team um, as well um, so yeah there we go Okay, everybody, now we're going to go to Rome to Forza Italian Football's Roman reporter, Alistair McKenzie, who was at the Derby for hashtag FIF at the games. Alistair, we'll get stuck into it. Um, obviously, going into the Derby, um, Lazio were in great form, but in this one, they were a bit fortunate to escape with a point in the end. Yeah, there's no doubt that they were um, They were a bit lucky to, to escape with a point. I think that they'll definitely take that as a point gained rather than two points lost. Considering the way the game went, um, I mean, from start to finish, Roma were on top. Absolutely dominated possession. They won the midfield battle. They pinned back the win backs. They really blunted Lazio's attack, which not many teams have managed to do. And the goal Lazio got was... Obviously very fortuitous as a result of some terrible goalkeeping, um, but as was Roma's. So I think that's that'll be the big frustration for Roma, was that they still relied on a mistake from Strakosha to score at all in this game, um, a game that they dominated so much. Um, and yeah, their, their their bluntness in attack is a bit is a bit of a concern for them. But their performance was excellent from Roma, especially considering how many injuries they had coming into this game. Especially considering they're up against a team that had won eleven straight matches. Um, so yeah, it's it's interestingly almost a reverse of the first derby of the season back in September when Lazio came away from a 1-1 draw thinking, how did we not win that game, having hit the post four times and controlled most of it. And this time, same result and the shoes on the other foot. It's Roma who are left wondering how they didn't get three points. Senad Lulic was uh, run ragged by Under. Um, do you think this is a bit of a sign of that lack of depth you were talking about uh, on last week's podcast and possible fatigue from the Lazio players? I think the um, the fatigue question is quite an interesting one because that was something that Inzaghi immediately started speaking about in the reaction to this game. He did put his hands up and say Roma were the better team and 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 uh, Lazio were outplayed. Um, but yeah, like you say, the lack of depth for me is is the biggest issue in terms of the squad's capability of challenging this height up the table throughout the season. And they did look a bit tired. I mean, obviously they were spending a lot of time off the ball yesterday, which didn't help as well. I think they only had about 33% possession 
possession by the end of it. So they're chasing shadows a lot. Lulic had a terrible, torrid time against Indra, like you say. Um, but yeah, I think that the fact that Lazio are out of all the cup competitions by this point is actually going to be a blessing in disguise for their hopes of of staying in the, the race for Champions League football because, um, yeah, they, they don't have the deepest squad in the world and they got to keep the players fresh that, that they've got in the squads. Um, there are options available to Inzaghi, but there's not loads of them. And then to make matters worse, if anyone, uh, if any Lazio fans were hoping on new additions coming in January, that was essentially ruled out before the derby by Iguitari, who came out in an interview and said that the squad is big enough to compete with just being in one competition. So I think Inzaghi's going to have to be careful how he manages their, their condition from now until the end of the season. And finally, Alistair, obviously Lazio have been getting tons of praise this season. Um, because of that, do you think we're a bit at risk of overlooking uh, the job or the good job that Fonseca's doing at Roma? I think that's absolutely right, to be honest. I think Fonseca has not had nearly enough credit for the job he's done at Roma so far. The reason for that, most of all, is that he's managed to actually get this team playing in his own image, uh, a style of football that he's promoting. And he's managed to do that despite the fact that he's had to deal with all sorts of injuries to key players, particularly in midfield. A lot of shuffling going around. Mancini has been moved up there at times. Um, They've lost key players throughout the season. Now Nicolo Zaniolo's gone as well. And amidst all of this kind of injury chaos, he's managed to actually get them playing in the way he wants to play. Um, I don't think it's so much out of a comparison to Lazio that they're getting overlooked as I suppose people who aren't watching their games closely and and see they're there and kind of there's an expectation that Roma should be challenging for the top four so that for them to be in fourth place isn't isn't seen as an overachievement but I think if you remember that this is not only Fonseca's first season at Roma but his debut season in Serie A as a whole I think there are encouraging signs there and the atmosphere in the stadium and around the club is generally a lot better and a bit calmer than it was uh, certainly under Di Francesco um, and there is more of a sense of togetherness and that, that he is creating something good there so I think it will take time for them to really hit their peak, they are still very susceptible to old Roma problems of uh, conceding um, conceding goals that they shouldn't be conceding and like I've already mentioned um, they're lacking a kind of clinical edge in attack but the way he's managing to get the team to play out from the back um, to, to pass the ball around and dominate positions Possession and create chances is an encouraging one. So yeah, I think I think the job he's doing is has been a bit overlooked. On Sunday, the early kickoff on Sunday was Inter against Cagliari, a team that Inter smashed in the Coppa Italia. But this time it was one-one. Lautaro Martinez scored just before the half hour, but then the man Rajanain Golan equalised. Twelve minutes to go, celebrated against his former team. Um, and Inter were angry, Vito. Lautaro Martinez got sent off in 90 minutes. And you'll love this. Bernie, the third-choice goalkeeper, he's been at Inter for, I think, what, six years? He's been there six years. Zero appearances, one red card. Here you go. Um, Vito, what on earth happened in this one? And then I'll tell you, because I was there. <laughs> uh yeah, bizarre to say the least. Well, Inter took the lead through Martinez and uh, it was the new signing, Ashley Young. He provided the cross for that. And then Nangalan came there to, yeah, um, annoy his uh, 
parents club and score an equaliser, albeit with a bit of a deflection, which threw Handanovic off by the look of things. But then at the end, Martinez, I think he got a yellow card originally for a foul. And then for some reason, he retaliated so badly and aggressively. And then the referee just pulled out the red card and he just completely lost his mind at that moment. I thought it wasn't the worst challenge, but... To get a yellow card, he was so sensitive about it. Just outrage over a yellow card. It was, it was unbelievable. What, yeah, what I didn't understand, it was the 90th minute he got his yellow, he got this yellow card and then got sent off. It was the 90th minute. The game was going to finish a draw, right? The, there's nothing, like, I don't understand why he's going absolutely mental. And now, obviously, he's going to be suspended. And as just for me, it just seemed like much ado about nothing. And then... Um, at the end of the match, uh, Bernie, who I mentioned before, the, th- the third-choice goalkeeper, he ran up to the referee and just grabbed his hand and gave him a big, big, massive, sarcastic handshake. Um, and the interbench kind of made a beeline for for the referee after the game. And he had to be escorted off by kind of, must have been like a Serie A officials, because obviously <laughs> they, they, were, they were unhappy with his performance. After the game, Antonio Conte didn't talk to the press. They said he was ill, but he, I seen it, he came through the mix zone. He didn't look ill, he looked more angry than ill um and i, I think it was the the assistant stellini said that uh, they were a bit unhappy with some of the refereeing decisions and i think handanovic said that as well um and that like those are the only media really that kind of comments post-match that they did so they seemed a bit um they, they just for me it was i thought it was a bit of an overreaction i, I could kind of understand right some decisions maybe were a bit silly and could have went their way but i think overall inter just didn't play well if you ask me, they just they didn't play well enough and didn't get the result they wanted, Vito. No, that sounds about right. And uh, there were a few moments where Handanovic actually had to make some really good saves in the game too. Uh, not only that, um, early on in the game, Giovanni Simeone made, missed a pretty good chance to give Cagliari the lead before Inter got their goal, but he just blasted the ball right over the bar. So... Mm. Uh, if I was to talk about Simeone specifically, I mean, he's a hard worker and he does get the odd goal, but some of his misses are pretty poor. Yeah, no, no, that one was that one was one. Day. I think it was the header from Farago. It was just before half time. The Handanovic made uh, a really good save on, and it was, it was kind of one of one of those ones where it's like it's just. I think the, uh, here's the good statistic that um, a colleague of ours. Um, came up with um, every right here's one you'll love this Kev right and every season since 2013 Inter have only won one game in January so every January they only win one match so they have their their annual January slump Kevin I mean obviously you'll have seen some of the reaction or non-reaction and people the Inter fans going crazy I mean what, what do you make of it all I don't I don't know you, you wonder whether they're getting um, you know they're seeing the signings that are coming in. I know Ashley Lung provided the provided the uh, the assist, but they've got to a point this year where they really needed to 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 kick on um, once they had that little blip, and it, and it hasn't come. It's sort of starting to snowball now into uh, well, Ant- Antonio Conte um, getting his knickers in a twist and uh, getting all upset and running through mix zones, and um, I don't think that sends a, a great message because it's that whole if they're going to complain about the refereeing decisions and, and you said that they're, although it looks, looks as though the referee's taken a little bit of a dim view of whatever Martinez has done there. I'm glad you clarified that he got, he got yellow carded for the, the challenge because 
when I looked at the uh, highlights, it looked like he'd been booked twice for descent, and which I thought was a little bit overzealous from the official. But um, if you're going to keep trotting out that as an excuse, um, it almost gives the players a little bit of a, an out rather than looking at themselves. And um, the performance on the day just just wasn't good enough. And um, maybe they're welcome. We roll into February and uh, hopefully start picking three points up again because they can't. Um, they really, really need to capitalise on Napoli beating Juventus because then when they went to the San Paolo and were successful it was seen as a um, not a turning point but a bit of a marker for going to one of the most difficult places to go <laughs> before Gattuso got there and Ancelotti took them downhill well, um, that, that was their marker that was Inter's um, Inter's only win in January in Serie A so that was their they got their win out of the way first and then decided to to draw yeah. their next three absolutely it's it, instead of being their marker it's become um, uh the, the chain around their ankle dragging them back mm. uh, as well something I, I, one of the, the things that surprised me after the game was uh, Cagliari had 60% of the ball over the match 60% possession which um, it didn't look like that uh, but I, I, was, I was very surprised when I found out that and I think that kind of goes it gives you a bit of an indication about where Inter are um, Borja Valero played in uh, Marcello Brozovic's uh, position just in front of the defence, and he was he, he did all right for about the first hour, maybe a bit less, um, but then kind of as the match went on, kind of faded away. And I, I think Brozovic is fundamental for Inter for keeping the ball, recycling the ball, kind of starting their attacks for them. And then when he's not there, they've they don't look like they're as uh, stable in midfield or kind of have the same uh, impetus about them. So what they've gone and done, Kev. Gone and got Christian Eriksen. They have, yeah. Which um, probably a couple of weeks ago, when I wrote, they should just pay the money that Daniel Le- Levy wanted and, and get him. Really um, <laughs> it, it still looks like a really shrewd acquisition, but um, because they've sort of had this sort of mini slump, it's you want to almost involve him in the side on a on a positive note. You know, coming off the back of maybe that Napoli win and. and it now looks as though all eyes are going to be on him, say he started or came off the bench uh, in the next game. Um, I, I think the quality is there that that won't happen. You know, I think he's really going to ramp up now looking to play a part in Euro 2020. Um, but I think it can only be positive for, for Inter. Where do you think he'll play? Do you think he'll... Who will he replace? Sensi, Barella? Or like, so I've heard even people suggest Brozovic will be ousted and Eriksen will play deeper. Well, I think you'd probably look at Sensi first to to replace him. I think they've been handed, what, one or two games that Martinez will get for a suspension. Depends if he brings him straight in, if he deems him fit enough. He's he's clearly not been playing for Tottenham for political reasons rather than um, fitness ones. So you could then play him behind Lukaku. The issue then is when uh, Martinez comes back. And um, I saw someone reference the... Uh, Mourinho side that has Schneider behind uh, Melito and what would have been Samueto, although Eto used to pull mm. wide. But I think you just you just get him in the team, uh, or you know, even if, even if that's a, a a soft launch, if you like, you know, fade him in. Yeah. <laughs> get him in. You don't sound very convinced, Kev. Vito, what, what do you think about this? Um, the Inter basically shopping in the the Premier League for all the players. Victor Moses, well, he's not obviously didn't come from the Premier League, but spent. Majority of his career there. Ashley Young came in, got an assist. Ericsson's coming in, possibly Giroud coming in as well. 
Um, it seems like Inter have only got, they're only going to one shop in January. Well, this unfortunately has created this narrative, especially used by the British media and uh, APL bandwagoner fans that uh, Inter and Serie A in general are just using the Serie A. Well, it's become, the Serie A has basically become like a retirement league or a cycling league for Premier League players. So it's not a good look in that regard. But with Conte, it looks like he has looked at players that he's coached or has coached against while he was at Chelsea. So there are players that are familiar with his methods as well as players that he feels that can add to his uh, top of football. Uh, the Christian Eriksen signing, though, is probably a bit of a different one because he's not known to be that sort of workhorse type that Conte usually wants. But if we look back at Juventus's early dominance when Conte was coached, they did have Andrea Pirlo in the team and he added added a bit of grace, a bit of vision to that side. So perhaps uh, Eriksen will add something different to this team and the other players, they'll probably suit... Uh, Conte's methods in general more because they fit that sort of traditional British play, if you like, that sort of that speed, that aggression and that work ethic, which uh, usually typifies players from the British Isles or who have featured in the English Premier League. Yeah, well, that's exactly my theory, Vito. That That's why I think he's um, basically exclusively shopping in England is because those players, even though Ashley, I think, is, what, 34, 35? Um Ericsson, obviously, in, in his prime. Moses, as well. Uh, and and Giroud's getting on a bit. They've all played in a high-intensity league. And we know that Conte, obviously, expects high-intensity football. But also, the training sessions are high-intensity as well. So, he needs players that can kind of keep up with large physical demands. And obviously, like you say, Vito, um, players who've played in England, they have that kind of almost off the bat. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, Inter are making signings, reshaping their squad again. And obviously, with Juve's defeat in Napoli, where it looked like they possibly could have been six points behind Juve come the end of the weekend, they actually end up gaining a point, and they're only three points behind Juve at the end of the weekend. So um, I think there's all the moaning for nothing, much ado about nothing. So there you go. Um, right, let's, let's go... Um, Further north and west, and we'll go to Turin, because um, on Saturday night, uh, Atalanta went to Torino and smashed seven goals past Torino. Seven, S-E-V-E-N, seven. Ilicic got three, Muriel got two, Gusen's got one, and Zapata got another. Uh, Vito, I'm coming straight to you on this one. Um, because, well, because Clancy's not here... Uh, I don't want to talk about them too much because I'm sure everybody's bored about talking about how amazing Atalanta are, but Christ almighty, Atalanta are amazing, right? On the day, they are an absolutely fantastic side to watch and they'll just steamroll any team in their path. They're the kind of team that won't just settle down for a 2-0 or 3-0. They will not show mercy on the opponent. This particular game, though, I thought was really out of the ordinary. Walter Mazzari's teams are usually very well drilled defensively and Torino getting into the Europa League uh, at the end of last season, although with a bit of help with Milan's situation, they were built on having a strong defence. In this particular game, though, this was 
this pretty much typified what Atalanta is about, just that attacking play, that desire to score more than a, the opponent. And the scary thing to think about is that Sirigu still had to make quite a few saves. So if he didn't make those saves, they could have easily scored over 10, and that would have been really damning on this uh, Granata side. Kev, I mean, you gave uh, Josep Ilicic your player of the week. How does how does he manage to do this? Because you know, this is something he manages to do quite often, is have these amazing games where he'll bag a hat-trick or two goals and, and completely run riot. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, well, he scored two hat-tricks for, for Atalanta last season. He sort of jinked past a couple of defenders and and won the penalty as well, which Zapata scored from. You know, there's Zapata and Muriel both sort of breaking Atlanta's recent run of fluffing penalties. But um, he's like um, the that old saying of a, a fine wine growing better with age. But the 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 sort of foresight he saw to spot Sirigu, who was, as Vito was saying, having a great game despite conceding all those goals um, off his line, was, was wonderful to see. I think... Atlanta can just do this to sides and you wouldn't put it past them going into the second leg of their Champions League um, game soon uh, with a sort of a deficit to overturn and doing it. That said, I was just shocked with how bad Torino are at defending this year. <laughs> well, they went straight into a retiro um, after the game. Mazzari was, I think he said he was embarrassed and all that, all that rubbish by him. Well, Atalanta, right? They've scored five goals eight times in their history in Serie A, and six of those eight times have been under Gasparini. There you go. And uh, what is that? That's their uh, f- what the one a seven goal margin. The first time they've ever had a, a victory by a seven goal margin in their history as well. Um, and Ilicic has scored three or more goals in Serie A or a Serie A match for the fourth time since 2018. Only Aguero and Messi have had more hat-tricks in that period in the in Europe's top five leagues. So that kind of shows you how um, 
just how on fire they are, um, and it just in general, they're obviously obviously they are um, top scorers in in Serie A, uh, ten goals more than Lazio, um, was it so seventeen more than Juve? I think you, you probably you could probably say like that 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 um, will have more goals than than the likes of Milan and stuff like that this year as well. So it's uh, it's, it's, it's uh, the, the fairy tale continues um, for Atalanta. Right, where will we go next? Right, we'll go back the other way. We'll go east because Friday night we're going all the way back to Friday. Um, Milan took on Brescia at the Stadio Ricamonte Vito. And it was that man, Antti Rebic, scored again, three goals in two games. It was only one. It was only a one-nil win, so he got the winner in this one. However, that didn't tell the whole story, did it? No, it didn't, because Brescia played reasonably well and had a good amount of chances to score. Uh, I thought Ernesto Torregrossa was quite a handful for the Milan defence and probably should have scored quite a few goals himself, not just uh, the one. He probably should have scored at least two or even a hat-trick. But uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma had a very good game in the Milan goal. He was decisive at the back. And then, of course, came Ante Rebic playing the super sub again and getting his third goal in just two games. So after being written off as a flop early on in the season, he's had a pretty good recent turnaround. Yeah, uh, Puli said that he um, he came back with more hunger after the Christmas break. So that's the reason that he, he's getting in amongst the goals. Kev, um, Milan, this, this is the first time this season Milan have won um, four games in a row in all, all competitions, right? So they're, they're clearly on some kind of good run of form, but um, the performances are still not there. So do you think this is just a little bit of kind of a fortuitous run that will probably end soon and then we'll be back to seeing the Milan that we saw in the first half of the season? Uh, yeah, you would you would think so, just based on the performances. I think people get a bit carried away looking at the result. Um, obviously, if you can if you can slowly improve while you're picking up those wins, um, more the better. But they have looked decidedly shaky at times and. Um, Friday night against Brescia, they, you would have said they looked on a par with a side that's recently promoted to Serie A and could have gone ahead themselves. Um, so I think Milan fans should probably count their blessings that they are picking up these uh, these wins if that can lead to a little bit more um, on the way of performances and not just on the, uh, the result sheet. The fixture list... Kind of, of of late has been I think quite favourable. Um, obviously they they started off the new year with Sampdoria at home. We know how crap Sampdoria are. Cagliari kind of that that was that was a decent win away there because they are having a good season. But then Spal, Udinese, and Brescia are all teams that you that are in a relegation battle. Um, if they're not kind of right in it, they'll be probably be there soon. Torino just got thumped seven seven goals to nil. Then, then, then after that you've got Hellas, Inter, um, Fiorentina, Torino, kind of in their next few games. So it's, you're, you're kind of thinking that the easy period for Milan's kind of over, and now they're going to have a couple of games where um, things could go against them, and then that's going to kind of in turn lead to more poor results. Yeah, I think sometimes though Milan can um, 
if you if you take the game where they started this run against Cagliari and Cagliari have been a little bit inconsistent but certainly performed far better than Milan at times this season and Milan almost dragged the opposition down to their level um, in, the, in the last few weeks and, and managed to grind just grind them down and get get results that way and um, it would be interesting to see if they can do that in the derby in two weeks the eighth Feb anyway yeah, see it the fabulous. But, um, you know, maybe Conte will like that, that Milan go into the game um, positive, thinking they're this side that they're not, and they'll just swoop in and hit them on the break. It's really Zlatan, Vito, though, and Zlatan just being there makes all the difference. As uh, strange as it might be, as it seems, I think even at his age, just having his presence there up front has made a difference. He wasted about two chances against Brescia to score, but... Having him involved in the build-up of the play and using him as a reference point uh, keeps those players a bit of confidence, especially considering the career that he's had. And not only that, because of his character and charisma, he's that experienced person, that leader on the field. So he's got that arrogance about him too, but I think that's part of what Zlatan is. He backs his own ability and when others have doubts, he's the guy that has zero doubts or he does not show them whatsoever. So a guy like him just on the field or even in the locker room, I think is good for Milan at this stage. Yeah, well, there they go. Well, they are level with Calgary on points, 31 points. Calgary are uh, above them on goal difference. So Europa League places are, are certainly on for Milan if they keep their own form going. Um Right, so let's look at some other results. Parma beat Udinese 2-0, Kulisevsky and Galliolo getting on the score sheet. Hellas Verona beat Lecce 3-0. And Pat Sini got the third of their three goals uh, from the penalty spot. He's back at getting the goals. Um, Spal were beaten by Bologna. Uh, Musa Barro, Atalanta boy, scoring. Well done. Um, and Poli scoring. And he had, there was a lovely picture I've seen floating about where it looked like he had snakes coming out his head. Uh, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and then 2-0 no draws, uh, Fiorentina Genoa, which was absolute garbage game, and Sampdoria, Sampdoria Sassuolo, which was even more of a garbage game. Sampdoria played against 10 men um, from the 25th minute, and it was just horrendous, Vito. I think, what was the Vito you said? You tried to even watch highlights of it, and even that was just too much for you to bear. Yeah, that's that's about right. Not many chances. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, not good when you're the team that has the man advantage and you still can't score. But I think it's a reflection of uh, Ranieri's methods and he's just happy just to pick up the points. Oh, it's not even Ranieri's methods. Don't be silly, Vito. It's just the whole rubbish team that you've got. Everything's rubbish. Everything's rubbish in Genoa right now. hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, from a (laughs) football perspective, it's uh, not looking good at the moment. (laughs) Now, now Ferrero is apparently keen to sell, but again, it could I'm be sure another part September. of the season. September. You said this in September. I'm sure you said this last end of last season. <laughs> Probably in three years' time, you'd be like, oh yeah, Ferrero's going to sell, I've heard, but it's never going to happen. Because yeah, it's it's the same narrative, yeah, the same rhetoric, and yeah. who knows when we'll hear an official announcement. Yeah, there we go. Right, well, that's us almost done, but there's some, is it sad news? Poignant news? Um, a legend of the game has uh, hung up his boots. Mr. Kevin Constant, uh, Cable legend, Milan legend. Where else did he go? Trabzonspor legend. 
he decided uh, for personal reasons to give to give it up. Kev, um, I know you're a big fan of Kevin. What, what's your greatest memory of the the flying winger? Oh well, um, obviously we share the same forename, so I followed his career <laughs> very very closely. Um, I think I, I I think I remember him having an atrocious game that first time you pulled uh, the Forza Italia um, writers over for a weekend in Italy when they uh, <laughs> when they won by a solitary Volta Bierce goal. Um, so maybe oh, the fact maybe the um should be his um his high point. He would walk into this Milan team right now, Kev. That's how good he is. He'd be like, listen, Rebic, get on back on the bench. Kevin is here. Did he did he have any did he have so I'm gonna be a bit um sort of sensible here for a moment, but did he have any really big injury struggles? Because he's only thirty two and it does seem a little young to be well, I'm looking at, I think he was playing in Iran um with a team called Tractor. I actually saying that I'm, 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 just, I'm just I'm just just obviously the 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 fountain of all knowledge Wikipedia said that in June last year or June last year his contract was terminated after he failed a medical. So so there you go. Yeah. So I don't think he's not had a club since uh, the summer um, and decided for personal reasons to give it up. But yeah, there you go, Kevin Constant. What a player! What a player! Um, and the other one, another. See, see, see. I thought it was bad, right? Kevin Constant retiring, and then who goes and retires like the next day? Stefano Sorrentino. He goes and hangs up his he hangs up his gloves. I say, Jesus Christ, what is going on? All these all these legends just giving up. But then, Vito, what happened today? Because we got some good news. Yeah, he's uh, back playing, and this time he's going to play as a striker. And he's going to be coached by his dad. <laughs> so there you go. What, uh, what is it? The team's called Cervo, and as it's in Liguria, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. So he, he's thought, oh, I've done goalkeeping. Great at that. I'll do the striking. There you go. Yeah. Easy peasy. So yeah, Sorrentino's back, kinda. Right. I think that's it, lads. Any other business? No. No, yeah, that's no. it. No other business, right? You'll all be delighted to hear that uh, Connor Clancy will probably be back uh, this time next week. So look forward to that. Um, Kevin, Vito, thank you very much for putting up with me again. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Mine too. <laughs> and uh, listeners, I'm sure yeah, it's been a pleasure for you as well. So until the next time Connor Clancy is dying, there's nothing left for me to say apart from Arrivederci.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.